This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. I would have to say the number one concern that most moms have when it comes to homeschooling usually has to do with math. Some moms personally don't like math, or they feel uncomfortable teaching math, or they feel inadequate even doing math themselves. And some moms didn't do very well in school when it came to math, or some of us barely passed math when we were in school. So the thought of trying to remember all those math rules and teaching all those concepts to our kids Well, it can be a little scary and daunting. Then there are some moms who have a child or maybe two who absolutely hate math. Their child gets beyond frustrated when they try to do simple or complex math skills. The tears begin flowing and the temper tantrums begin flaring as soon as the word math is even uttered. So the thought of teaching math can stress us out just as much as doing math stresses out our kids. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you and your child will love math every single day or that you will never have a rough math day or a tough math lesson again. That would be silly and very dishonest. But I did want to do an episode to share with you different ways that you can make math more meaningful, a little less tedious, and perhaps even a little bit more fun this year. Now, the first thing you need to do is change your attitude and your expectations about the subject of math. Now, if you have a math phobia, you're going to pass it on to your child. If math stresses you out, then you will stress out your child. And if you have PTSD because of a former math teacher, then you certainly don't want to become that math teacher to your child. Don't assume either that this year will be just as awful as last year was when it comes to math. Change your attitude and change your expectations too. No matter what grade your child is in, if you are blindly following a textbook or a teacher's guide, I'm telling you right now, you're expecting way too much. If there is one academic subject that requires quality over quantity and competency over collection of facts and worksheets, it's the subject of math. Now, state and national standards are quite cumbersome, and let's be completely honest here, they're actually quite ridiculous too. So change your math mindset from memorizing 50 or more skills and procedures each year to mastering two or three major math skills and concepts a year. 
Change your expectations from finishing 10 or more chapters and doing over 165 lessons in a year to doing four to five chapters in a year and doing them well. Now, I know that sounds a bit radical, especially if you're looking at a very large, thick textbook, but most textbooks and most standards repeat themselves. And guys, they do this on purpose. There's an abundance of review built into every year because publishers and the so-called experts expect children to not learn the concepts the first couple of hundred times they're taught to them. Why? Because they know the teacher will only spend a day or two or a lesson or two on a skill or a concept before they have to move on to something new. There's no time for mastery. Therefore, students forget or misunderstand most of what they're taught lesson by lesson, day by day, and year by year. We homeschool moms, we fall into this trap too if we also rely heavily on traditional standards and expectations. So the very first thing you need to do is give yourself permission to slow down this year. Slow down so your child can really learn and master important computational and problem-solving skills each year. Stop rushing and stop pushing. If your child focuses on certain skills in each grade level and really spends time learning, mastering, and reviewing these concepts, then they will be quite ready for high school math, they will be proficient in daily math skills, and they might actually be confident in their math abilities too. Okay, so in pre-K and kindergarten, what are you going to focus on? You're going to focus on counting Focus on shapes and patterns. Focus on real-life skills like simple measuring, one-to-one correspondence, building, time and yearly, monthly, weekly, and daily calendar concepts, and recognizing and using numbers. So count, count, count. Keep it all simple and keep it fun. In pre-K and kindergarten, there's really no need to do anything formal at this age. And there's absolutely no need for a formal math textbook either. So if you want a little help or your child wants to do some worksheets, then just get a colorful math workbook from Costco or Office Depot or the teacher store or download a free a few free math worksheets from the Internet. And the magazine highlights is still one of the best ways to build math and reading skills. It will never go out of style. Okay, so in first and second grade, what do you focus on? you're going to focus on addition, subtraction, and place value. Yep, that's it. That's all you need to do in first and second grade. You're going to add and subtract everything. Add money, add numbers, earn money, save money, spend money, subtract money, subtract numbers. Learn the addition and subtraction facts together. When your child learns all of the five addition facts, say, you might as well also work on the five subtraction facts too because they go together. This will help make connections. If five plus three is eight, then three plus five is also eight. It doesn't really matter which number you add first. But if five plus three is always eight, then eight minus five will always be three. The three numbers always go together when adding and subtracting. So teach them together and help make those connections. Then use real-world applications and word problems as much as you can. Like, if you want your child to really learn how to add or subtract, give them a real-life scenario where addition and subtraction are used. Like, 
If we have eight slices of pizza and we ate five slices at lunch, how many slices will be left over for dad and is that enough for him? Or if we have five baseballs and three soccer balls, how many balls do we have all together and will they fit in your bin? As you work on adding and subtracting whole numbers, they're also working on place value. Learn about the ones, tens, hundreds, and thousands as they add and subtract large and small numbers. Learn about money computation as they add and subtract large and small money amounts. As they add, they're regrouping, and as they subtract, then they're borrowing. All of this builds number sense and place value. So spend first and second grade focusing on all things addition, subtraction, and place value. Make sure you master these skills. So then what do you do in third and fourth grade? Well, in third and fourth grade, you're going to focus on all things multiplication, division, and area. Yep. Again, that's all you need to do in third and fourth grade. Multiply and divide everything. Multiply money. Multiply big and small numbers. Divide money. Divide large and small numbers. Like addition and subtraction, learn the multiplication and division facts together. When your child learns all of his three multiplication tables, you might as well also work on the three division facts too, because they go together. If three times eight is 24, then eight times three is also 24. It doesn't matter which number you multiply first, right? But if three times eight is always 24, then 24 divided by three will always be eight. The three numbers always go together when multiplying and dividing them, so teach them together and help make these connections. And again, use real-world applications and word problems as much as possible, especially when dividing. If you want your child to really learn how to multiply and divide, give them real-life scenarios where multiplication and division are used. For instance, if you have 12 friends coming to the party and the recipe for the lasagna only serves four, then how do we double or triple the recipe so everyone can eat? Or if we have a dozen cookies and there are four of us, how can we share the cookies fairly? That's division. How about this 12-ounce box of detergent costs $12.99 and this 13-ounce box costs $14.50, so which one's the better deal? Which one should I get? Or there are 15 rows and 15 seats in a row, so how many seats are all together in the theater? Do we have enough tickets to sell? As your child is learning about multiplication, he's also learning about area of rectangles and and squares. 3 times 4 is 12. Now the rectangle with dimensions of 3 by 4 has an area of 12. It's all the same thing. So as your child is learning about division, she's also informally learning about fractions. Because a fraction is just a division problem written in a different form. One half is really 1 divided by 2. The fraction bar is the division symbol. Now, there's no need to get into a lot of fractions in third and fourth grade, but know that when you give real-world division problems, sometimes the answer is less than one, or it's a number between two whole numbers. For example, ask your son if if he did the work with two friends and they got paid a total of $16, how much would each of them get if they split $16 three ways? So spend third and fourth grade mastering multiplication and division. You will have plenty of time if you do this to slow down when they get to concepts that are too challenging like averages and long division. 
But it will also make learning fractions and decimals so much easier if you spend as much time as they need on multiplication and division in third and fourth grade. Then in fifth and sixth grade, you're going to focus on all things fractions, decimals, and percents. Again, you have plenty of time to learn and master how to compare, contrast, order, add, subtract, multiply, and divide fractions, decimals, and percents if you focus on these skills in fifth and sixth grade. Then in seventh and maybe in eighth grade, focus on simple equations, formulas, order of operations, and positive and negative numbers. If your student really understands fractions, and feels confident dividing and computing with large and small numbers, then these pre-algebra skills and concepts will be easy to do and won't be so confusing and frustrating when they get to them. Okay, so now that you've changed your mindset and you've changed your expectations, let's change the way you teach math. Now, an obvious change is if you use a traditional textbook or curriculum, you don't have to do every problem in every lesson. If your child can do 10 or 15 problems correctly, then he can definitely do 25 of them. And if he doesn't do them correctly, well, then he just practiced 25 times how to do it the wrong way. (laughs) Just do four to five practice problems together. Talk out loud. Think out loud. Explain what you're doing and thinking as you do a few problems together. Then let your student do 10 or 15 problems independently. That's it. Tops. You could do the odd problems one day and the even problems another day. Do only word problems one day and then maybe only do the review problems on another day. And here's a concept. Before you start a chapter, give your child the chapter test or the end of the chapter review questions. If she answers 90% of the problems correctly, then skip the chapter. (laughs) Teach her the skills that she messed up on or she didn't know and then happily mom move on to the next chapter. Obviously, if she can get an A on the chapter test before you even teach her the the chapter, she doesn't need to spend a month doing exercises to practice math skills she already understands. And your child will feel very confident if he actually skips a few chapters here and there. Talk about a math self-esteem booster. Now, once your child is in fourth grade, give him or her the answer key. Yep, you heard me right. Give them the answer key. After they do the lesson or the pages that you assign, tell your student to check their own answers. Any problem they get wrong, they can look up the answer and see if they can figure out what they did wrong. Most of the time they can, and it's usually just a very simple addition mistake. But if they have no idea how to do the problem, or they have no idea why they got it wrong, well, then they put a star next to it. Then, when you go over math with your child that day or the next day, you're only going to go over with your child the problems that she starred. I mean, why spend time going over everything? Focus only on the problems they need help with. Not only does this save you time, but it teaches your child how to teach themselves, how to look for answers, and of course, how to be honest. If your child shows his work, then you can double check to make sure he isn't copying the answers. Giving my kids the answer key was a math game changer for us. They also took more ownership of their own work. And when they took tests, either the computer automatically checked and graded it for me, or that's when I graded them. Giving them the answer key for everything else was way less work for me. 
Now, if you don't use hands-on materials to teach hard or abstract concepts, consider doing so. Using manipulatives doesn't have to be complicated. And math programs like Matthew C. are fabulous. But if you don't have the money for it, there are tons of great YouTube videos that show you how to use base 10 blocks to teach place value or adding, regrouping, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, and even decimal place value. Use real money to teach money skills. Watch YouTube videos on how to use Cuisinair rods to teach all things fractions. Use two-color chips to teach positive and negative numbers. Watch YouTube videos on how to use pattern box and tangrams or geoboards to teach geometric skills. Use measuring tapes and measuring cups and rulers and scales and clocks to teach measurement skills. Girl, I can show you the Pythagorean theorem, you know, the A, A squared plus B squared equals C squared, and why it works with tangram pieces. I can explain almost all of the area formulas using just different size triangles. Shoot, I can even prove to you why a triangle's three angles always equal 180 using just a paper triangle. Some kids don't need manipulatives, but for most, the light goes on as soon as they see fractions with a Hershey bar or decimals with a measuring rod. Now, my daughter loved manipulatives. My son hated them. He would look at me and say, just show me the steps, mom, and I'll figure it out. And that's really all I had to do with him. But my daughter, she had the hardest time when it came to fractions until we built fractions with Cuisinair rods, we played fraction games with Cuisinair rods, and we simplified fractions with Cuisinair rods. So if your child needs a more hands-on conceptual approach, go for it. Trust me, you're not wasting time. It might take you longer to teach long division with base 10 blocks, but once your child understands the process, the steps make sense, and then in the long run, you won't have to reteach this concept or skill again. So really, you're saving time in the long run by using manipulatives. Now also, change your math schedule too. Try using a 20-20-20 approach. It's basically this. You teach for 20 minutes, you play a math game for 20 minutes, and you take a 20-minute break. All right, so you spend the first 20 minutes doing a new math skill together. Spend 20 minutes showing your child how to do it. Demonstrate the steps, maybe do a few together. Or if you've already taught your son the concept, then spend the first 20 minutes having him do practice problems and time it and make sure you stop after 20 minutes. Now, if it takes him forever, he's either playing you <laughs> or he really doesn't understand it. So you're going to have to reteach it. Or go ahead and threaten to give him more problems if he's trying to pull a fast one over you. Then, in the next 20 minutes, play a simple math game that reinforces or reviews the skill that you just learned. Always leave a game on a good note. Always leave them wanting for more. Because if you spend more than 20 minutes on a math game every day, they're going to get bored and they're not going to want to play it anymore. Now, if you don't have a game for a particular skill that you just taught, then either play a math game to review something your child has already learned. Trust me, this is way more fun than doing all those boring review problems in your workbook. Or do a fun arts and crafts activity that goes with the new skill or use the skill in real life. Okay, so maybe you're learning about cups, pints, quarts, and gallons. Well, then make a gallon man to show the different equivalents or cook. 
Do lots of measuring with cups and pints or go shopping and check out the conversions needed for different recipes. Okay? And then your last 20 minutes, you take a break. The brain needs a chance to catch up, to rest, to chew on new information. Trust me, you are not wasting time by taking a break. Again, in the long run, it will save you time. Now, finally, try to bring in as many math literature books as you can. I did a whole podcast on math story time, and you can find it in Coffee with Carrie, season one, episode number 19. Now, if you have a visual learner or a big picture thinker or a child who loves words and stories way more than numbers and calculations, then make sure you include some really fun math picture books. The key, moms, is to take a break from the boring, tedious lessons when everyone is frustrated. Nothing's going in if everyone's tired and crying and upset. Take a break from the formal lessons and just play a few math games if you need to. You're happy because you don't feel like you're wasting time or giving up on the lesson, and your child is happy because she's getting a break from those workbooks. Now, if you're looking for math games to play, check out my Instagram um, IGTV series called Math Games. I show you how to play about 15 different games that teach all kinds of skills. I also talk about using games for math and actually all subjects in season one of Coffee with Carrie, episode number six, called Homeschooling Essential number six. There are so many great math games out there. Buy a few new ones each year, build up your collection, and just play lots of card and dice games too. I'm going to be hosting another Coffee with Carrie online math fundamentals workshop, so make sure you join us. I did one over the summer, which was all on math games. I'll be doing the same thing again this time. So go to coffeewithcarrie.org to sign up. And also check out my Instagram this week when the podcast drops. I'll be doing a few Instagram lives. Now, each Instagram live, I'll be focusing on a different grade level. So I think I'm going to do about three. One will be on the primary grades and how to use games and manipulatives to teach addition, subtraction, and place value. And then in the second Instagram live, I'm going to focus on the middle school and share how to teach fractions, decimals, and percents with games and manipulatives. And then the third one, I think I'm going to focus on the pre-algebra and a few algebra skills for the tweens and the teens. And don't worry if you missed the Instagram lives or you're listening to this way past the date that I dropped it, I'm going to post them in my IGTV series. So in a nutshell, The easiest way to make math more meaningful and fun is to one, moms, change your math mindset and attitude. Two, change your math expectations. Three, readjust that math schedule. Four, change the way you teach math. Five, incorporate more real life lessons, hands-on manipulatives, and math picture books. And finally, use games as much as possible. Moms, it is possible to put the fun back into teaching and learning the fundamentals of math. It really is doable. And when you try some of these ideas or activities or schedule changes or games mentioned in this podcast, I want to know about it. Tell me how it goes. I want to see some of your before and some of your after photos. Have fun this year in math and may the odds forever be in your favor. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. 
We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. You can purchase it on Amazon. I have the link in the show notes. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or with a homeschooling friend who is math-phobic. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie podcast, and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschooling mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.